proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena Arias. As believers in Christ, we must always understand that God's principles never change. It doesn't matter what the culture does. It doesn't matter what the times are dictating. God's principles stand firm and they stand for all time because God has established them with the foundation that he uses for everything that he does, and for who he is. Since God's truth never changes, and it doesn't change because God never changes. Therefore, his principles will never change. Stay awake to spiritual danger is the topic that we have been dealing with. This is part number two, and I hope that you had an opportunity to listen to part one because we are building on that foundation that we have established. This topic was prompted to me by a lengthy conversation I had recently with a person that is very dear to me. And it made me think that we must address this because of the imminent spiritual danger that is always lurking and may catch many people unaware of how down low and vile the enemy is, the enemy of our soul, that is. He and his agents do not sleep on the job. They have no degree of mercy or compassion for anyone, no consideration, unless they see in place the authority of Christ and the biblical principles being lived out. So we must be watchful to discern what is coming our way at all times. And you know, that should be a daily prayer. Father, help me to know and understand, to have proper discernment on whatever you bring my way on this day. So welcome to the program as we continue this interesting topic, Stay Awake to Spiritual Danger. I'm Nena Arias. When I shared with you that I had a lengthy conversation with the person dear to me, This is a person that has been walking with the Lord for over 40 years. Consistent, committed, prayer warrior, discerning, wanting to be used by God to be in the center of his will. But recently she and her husband made a deeper commitment to be more aggressive against the kingdom of darkness. And so whenever that happens, the enemy is threatened. He doesn't like it. And he's going to do everything that he can to try to stop us. 
Since he didn't have anything recent, he started bringing things up from the past. Which, of course, we know that if we walk with the Lord, when we take care of things, they get buried under the blood of Christ. We repent from all sin that we may have committed. We modify our behavior and it gets taken care of because we follow it up with fruits of repentance. So these are empty threats that the enemy brings up, but he wants to see if we will fall for his bait, his false accusations, and he comes at us fearfully. So we must be watchful and never let our guard down. And that is the key to spiritual success in our walk with the Lord. And I must point out at this juncture, even if I'm going to mention it before, that we cannot be as alert as we need to be if we are not aware of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. You and I can slumber, can sleep, can feel complacent, can feel like uh, we're a little tired and we just want a little break. But the Holy Spirit never takes breaks. He's always watchful, always on the job. So the more that we depend on him, the more accurate we will be in discerning what comes our way. When we talk about being watchful, I think of how God told Gideon to select his army for the battle to free Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. Have you ever read that account? And how out of thousands that volunteered to go to battle, after the testing that God gave Gideon, only 300 passed the test. What does that tell you? That not all who are out there in the fight are really knowing how to do the strategy of proper spiritual warfare. Now, if you want the background on this incident, the Gideon incident, you can read it in Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through chapter 7, verse 25. I would invite you to go and read it slowly and glean from the teaching that we have in this incident. Now, I'm not going to read it all because it's pretty extensive, and in the interest of time, I'm going to loosely narrate this incident that I hope will help all of us. The story starts out by declaring that the Lord was angry with Israel for falling again into sin and worshiping false gods and idols. And in this book of Judges, you will see that over and over and over again, the same thing would happen to Israel. It would fall into sin and drift away from the Lord and begin to worship the false idols and false gods of the nations around them. And so we see that this is a pattern. You kind of almost get tired of reading it over and over again in Judges, how this happens to Israel, where it says, again, they sinned before the Lord, and then again, oppression comes. Well, that was the case in Gideon's time. Because of this, the Lord left them in the hands of the destructive Midianites 
for seven years. Now, this is interesting because Midian was one of Abraham's sons. So the Midianites were descendants of the son of Abraham that he had with his wife, Keturah. Did he not learn anything from Abraham? Did he not pass on to his future generations on how to fear the Lord, how to live the way God wanted them to live? Evidently, they also forgot. But God left the Israelites in the hands of the Midianites to oppress them. Finally fed up, the Israelites called out to God for help, as they did time and time and time again. When they would see the anarchy, when they would see their enemies coming at them with so much force, when they would get fed up with their sinning, they would call out to God. So God would send help through a man named Gideon. Gideon was just a small young boy, and he was threshing wheat in spite of the fact that the Midianites were plundering everything that the Israelites were producing and planting and everything that Gideon and his family was producing. But still, he decided not to be passive and was doing something about the situation. What was he doing? He was working. Did he know that he was working for their enemy? Perhaps. But he was not willing to be idle, to be complacent, to be inactive. So without a doubt, God saw this in this young man. So an angel appeared before Gideon saying, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I assure you, Gideon did not feel like a mighty warrior. To begin with, he knew he was young, he was small, one of the younger children in his family. So he did not feel like a mighty warrior. Yet, God could see in Gideon the willingness of his heart that he was going to obey what God told him to do. The angel then goes on to tell Gideon that he will deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. He, meaning Gideon. At that point, Gideon says that he's just a small young boy. What are you talking about? Besides, how do I know I'm talking to God? So Gideon then asked the angel for a sign to prove that he was really speaking with God. So he leaves and he returns with an offering of food. And the angel immediately sets the food on fire. He accepted the offering. Gideon then realizes that it is really an angel of the Lord. That was sign number one. That same night, the Lord told Gideon to destroy one of his father's altars to an idol named Baal. Now we hear about this false god throughout scripture, Baal, which was one of the favorite gods of the foreign people who were still in the promised land that Israel had not destroyed. So Gideon is told to destroy this idol, Baal, and replace it with an altar to God and sacrifice a bull on it. Obviously, Gideon knew something about offering a sacrifice. Had he seen the priests? Had his father done this in the past? We don't know, but we are told that he sacrificed a bull on this altar to the Lord. 
Gideon does as he is told, but at night he did it so that he is not caught. The townspeople found out that Gideon did this and demand his execution. Can you believe this? Now, this is supposed to be the people of Israel, okay? Gideon goes and destroys this false god, and in its place, he sacrifices to the Lord, the real, true, and living God, yet the people want to kill him. By this, you can see the level of degree of blindness, spiritual blindness, and paganism that have penetrated Israel. Is it any wonder that God wanted to do something about it now that they were crying out to him? Gideon's father, Joash, however, exclaimed when the townspeople came after his son that if Baal was truly a god, he would be able to defend himself. Now, that makes sense. If you're going to have a god, he better be able to do something, not just be a statue or inert material. Gideon then calls to arms to fight against the Midianites. Several other people said they would join him. Then Gideon asks for another sign that God is with them and asks God to make a fleece, the only wet thing on the ground the next morning, and then the only dry thing on the ground on the morning after that. And God did both things. He did what Gideon asked him to do. He wanted Gideon to be sure, to be convinced that it was he who was speaking with him. So then, of course, after those signs are fulfilled, Gideon knows that God is with him. And you know, whenever we have to attack anything, I don't believe God gets offended if you ask for confirmation. When you have a willingness to do his will, and you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to step out in faith and do something perhaps even ridiculous, but you are willing to do it if it is God's will. So God does not get offended when we ask for confirmation. And in this case, we see that God fulfilled both of Gideon's requests. In the morning, the Lord tells Gideon he must cut down the size of his army because otherwise the Israelites won't attribute their win to God, but rather to themselves. Now, whoever heard of that, that an army is too big and for sure they're going to win, but God knew their hearts that they were not going to give God the glory. So Gideon achieves this by asking any person who is afraid to go out into battle to leave, to go home. And guess what? 22,000 left, but 10,000 people remained. That means there was a total of 32,000 people that had responded to go to war. However, God said, this is still too many people. Can you imagine? Was Gideon getting more afraid as God is filtering out all the people that are not ready for this kind of battle? So God tells Gideon to go down to a river and see how the men drink. God then instructed Gideon to only keep people who drank like a dog, putting their hands to their mouths. And Gideon did this, which brought his army size to only 300 soldiers. Now, why is this important? It is important because those who 
brought the water to their mouth could still be vigilant and look out for the enemy. They were ready for war. They were alert. But those who knelt would not see the enemy coming and could easily be pushed down into the water and drown and be killed. They were not smart enough for war. So out of those remaining 10,000, Gideon was going to go to war with only 300 men. We're not told the size of the Midianite army, but I assure you that 300 men was way too little an army. Yet, this is what God was indicating. Because you see, when God wants to do something, it is not in the numbers. It is not in the masses. He wants people who are equipped, who are willing to obey his orders, and that doesn't always require a huge group. So in spiritual battle, we must be watchful, like these men who drank water, but at the same time were vigilant to look out for the enemy. And this is how we are to live as well. We are to be watchful in our spiritual battle. And we are told this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. End of quote. The devil does not always announce to a sound of a trumpet his presence. He's very subtle. He's very cunning. He knows how to make his way in, if there is an open door, of course. He's not respectful. If the doors are all shut, he will try to crash them open. But when they are sealed by the Spirit of God, when they are sealed by our obedience to God, when they are sealed by the Word of God and the command that God has given to protect us against our adversary, there's nothing that the devil can do. But Peter does give us the indication here, you must be sober-minded. What is the person or how is a person who is sober-minded? You have to be thinking right. Your mind and your thoughts have to be in the right place, which means you have to saturate your mind with the thoughts of God. And you must be watchful, not only to know them, to know the mind of God, but also to apply the knowledge of the mind of God. Because the adversary is always on the loose, always on the prowl. So that night, back to our incident with Gideon, that night God instructs Gideon to go down to the valley of the Midianites to see what the Midianites are talking about. What are they dreaming about? And of course, this was meant to relax and assure Gideon that God was on his side because of what he was going to hear and what he was going to see. In the valley, Gideon overhears a conversation between two Midianites in which one Midianite says to the other that he had had a dream where a loaf of bread came tumbling down the hill, hit the Midianites' tent, and knocked it upside down. How interesting. Can a loaf of bread do that? Well, do you remember what Gideon was doing when the angel of the Lord appeared to him? He was threshing on the wheat floor. Bread is made from wheat. So maybe it became common knowledge that in spite of the threat of the Midianites, 
Gideon was not stopping from working, threshing his floor. So the dream that this Midianite has is that a loaf of bread tumbling down the hill hit the Midianites' tent and knocked it upside down. The other Midianite interprets it. And he said, this is as the sword of Gideon laying wrath upon the Midianites. After hearing this, Gideon decides to go back up the valley and start the invasion. It was so clear that God had already surrendered the Midianites into the hands of Gideon. So what Gideon was going to do was exactly what God wanted him to do. Gideon tells his people to split up into three groups. Gideon then gives everyone trumpets and jars with torches in them. How would you like to go to war with a trumpet and a jar? But when God fights for us, all he wants is a step of obedience. Remember how the walls of Jericho came down? Marching, marching around the city for seven days. And God delivered the enemies into their hands after they obeyed this apparently silly command. How can you fight a war just marching around the walls and, I don't know, praying, singing? But then God had them blow the trumpets and call out. Now here is Gideon preparing to go out to battle with his 300 soldiers that he has split into three groups possibly of a hundred each. Gideon then gives them a trumpet and a jar with torches in the jar. So Gideon and his army marched out to the Midianite camp and everyone blew their trumpets and broke the jars. Then they stood there repeating, a sword for the Lord and Gideon, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. Without a doubt, they were saying this at the top of their voice. All the Midianites fled in terror from the impact of this sight, which was probably at night if the torches were going to be effective. Then the Lord set every Midianite man's sword against his comrade and against all the Midianite army, and they were defeated. In other words, God caused the Midianites to fight each other and to kill each other. So when Gideon then sent messengers in, they could see that the enemy had defeated themselves. Such was the confusion and the fright that God caused to fall upon these Midianites. Gideon then called out to the rest of the Israelites. He sent messengers about the Midianites. So the Midianites were captured and their leaders were killed. And this was the deliverance that God had brought about to Israel as a result of Gideon's obedience. So what I want to emphasize here in this extraordinary event is how God chose those 300 warriors that knew how to be alert, watchful, vigilant in the face of danger. And that's what caused God to choose those 300 out of those 32 initial volunteers and then 
those 300 out of the remaining 10,000 because they were ready for battle. Now, the call for each and every believer is to always be ready for battle because that is how God can then fight for us. There was no doubt that God had clearly fought for Gideon and his army in such a way that there was not even a shadow of a doubt that it was God that had intervened miraculously. And God got all the glory. There's no way that 300 men with trumpets and jars could have won that war. And God got the glory. Because you see, even though we are walking in obedience to God and we receive the benefits of the victories that we overcome, overcome on a daily basis. It is only through the strength and the guidance and the knowledge of God that we can do these things. So God gets the glory. And that is the same that he wants to do with us today, just like he did with Gideon and his army. He wants to help us fight against any fiery dart that the enemy throws at us. But you know what? Every day is different. Every day is different. And every time you have an opportunity to open your eyes to the light of a new day, there are new events in that day. Oh, I know that we have to live many times doing things out of routine, but it should never be a rut. There is a difference between a routine and there's a difference between a rut. A routine can be the same thing over and over and over again, day in and day out. But when you are in a rut, you lose the emphasis of what you are doing, why you are doing it. You lose the freshness of what a day can bring if you are not alert. And certainly you will not be ready for battle. You will not be ready for spiritual battle if you are on automatic. So every day, the believer must wake up and say, Good morning, Lord. I thank you for this day. And I thank you for helping me to be an overcomer, no matter what challenges this day brings. I commit it into your care. Help me to be alert, to know what you are saying to me. Help me to be sensitive to the needs of those around me. I don't want to live on automatic. I want to be alert. And many times, the battles that we're going to fight that day, you know what they're going to require? A sincere smile and a warm greeting to someone in your path. That you would honestly and sincerely greet them with joy, with transparency, with warmth coming from your heart. That may be the weapons of your warfare today. The weapons of your warfare may be helping an elderly person who needs help. Calling someone that you've not spoken with in a long time, yet God is putting them in your heart. Those will be your weapons. That will be your trumpet. That will be your jar with a torch in it. Unlikely weapons God uses in the spiritual warfare. 
So always be watchful. Always be sensitive to what God wants you to do and fight the warfare of that particular day. And no day is the same as the previous day. There's always something fresh and something new. We're going to continue with this topic, dear friends, and I hope that you will join us. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.